following program is from the KDRT archives. We wish that it was going to be <clears throat> this old show. But not tonight, though. Tonight is fresh live tracks coming to you from the room with a view down here. And I was just outside enjoying the wonderful, wonderful weather. I mean to tell you, you can take some deep breaths, suck it down into your lungs, the air is cool and clear. It's the best being outside. It's been in a long, long time. So you can take that with you as we go on into journey through the next couple hours. Live tracks here, KDRT 95.7 in Davis, California. Sorrow 
Painted mandolin. That's who that was. Great sound. From down at the Oddfellows Hall in earlier this year. I think it was about March of 2017. Welcome, Davis. You're tuned in to live tracks again. Busy. Busy October for us down here, for me. I think I do need two or three of me right now to get up everything done. And uh, the one that there is, evidently, is, uh, is pretty much worn out. So I was... Uh, doing other things today helping out my aged cat. I have to barbecue chicken for the aged cat. Of course, when I do that, then I have to consume a cool recreational beverage of choice. Sort of like working on a car. Have to have, to have something there on the fender of the car when working on it. So I was doing that, which left me with limited amount of time. So what's going to happen tonight is this. I'm going to do little bit of organic philosophy going to do 50 years ago this week in Beatles history perhaps a great gift idea or two I've brought along some trivia and if I run out I've got my book of perfectly useless information that I can go ahead and cover that gap with and I've got some music from Gene Parsons and David Hayes when they were down here at the Odd, uh, Oddfellows Hall in September of 2016, special performance, and I brought in some good songs from, from them. So that's all on the one side of the equation. Now on the other side of the equation, a few years back, 
KDRT was the beneficiary of a wonderful donation from the estate of Bill Smith. Bill Smith was an early and avid supporter of KDRT, passed away, regrettably, a few years ago. And one of the things that he did was, well, for one thing, he donated a car that was a neat old classic car. And so that brought in some some donation money, so to speak, for the station to help us operate. Another thing he did, though, he was an avid record collector. And so quite a few of the LPs that he had were donated to the station. And tonight you'll be hearing a very broad mix of some of the different albums that he had collected over the years. So some of you that have been listening in for a long time know that I will occasionally do something called album roulette. And tonight I'm putting a different kind of a spin on it. No pun intended, but it may be as good as it gets. Hard to say. Uh, I think of the stuff, I just glanced at it real quick. I grabbed a bunch from back there, and some of it looks very intriguing. And I'm not going to rely just on random fate, because frankly that's cruel at times to do that. So... I'm just glancing at the album and seeing if there's anything in particular that looks good. But I got to say, I don't know really any of these albums. So there's going to be a very, very large swing. I will let you know ahead of time when I'm going to be playing something from Gene Parsons and David Hayes, which I know is good. And then the rest of it, just buckle up. Cool recreational beverage of choice. If you've got a... uh, a lava lamp. Go ahead and light that up. Uh, it is wonderful outside right now, so you're more than welcome to go grab a portable radio and sit outside and and just breathe in that nice, clean, cool air with a little breeze. It's gorgeous out there. So, all that being said, I'm going to press this button over here, and then we're going to go other places. If I've got time, I will write down what it is we're listening to and back announce it. So I want to thank everybody out there for listening in. Thank you for supporting KDRT throughout the year. And here we go. Uh, The first one out of the gate is, well, it's an album from what's called Jazz Great. So we'll see how great they are.
11 astronauts waited for the countdown to the moment of truth. This is Apollo Saturn Launch Control. We are go for Apollo 11. The Apollo mission, the flight to land of the first men on the moon. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. And at this fiery, thunderous instant, the tireless efforts of thousands for over a decade and the dreams of millions throughout the centuries converged as the majestic Saturn V rocket catapulted man into history and mankind into the future. On July 16, 1969, at exactly 9.32 a.m., the heart of the whole world stopped momentarily as three American astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Edwin Aldrin, Jr., and Michael Collins left a world that would probably never again be the same and rocketed across the cosmos toward man's first landing on another celestial body, the moon. The epic journey of Apollo 11 had begun. The next three and a half days found Apollo 11 soaring through the heavens. And while the feats of man...
the plaque. Uh, we'll read the plaque that's on the front landing gear of this lamb. There's, there's two hemispheres, one showing each of the two hemispheres of Earth. Underneath it says, Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969, AD. It came in peace for all mankind. It has the, the crew members' signatures and the signature of the President of the United States. Columbia, this is Houston reading you loud and clear, over. Yeah, reading you loud and clear. How's it going? Roger, the EVA is progressing beautifully. Uh, I believe they're setting up the flag now. Great. I guess you're about the only person around that doesn't have TV coverage of the scene. That's all right. I don't mind a bit. How is the quality of the TV? Oh, it's beautiful, Mike. It really is. Oh, geez, that's great. Is the lighting halfway decent? Yes, indeed. They've got the flag up now, and you can see the stars and stripes on the lunar surface. Beautiful, just beautiful. Uh, Tranquility Base, this is Houston. Could we get both of you on the camera for a minute, please? You're sailing softly through the sun In a broken stone age dome
KDRT in Davis, California, live tracks. So tonight's show is me with my hands on the steering wheel of a lot of different albums down here. And so I'm trying to see what kind of a mix I can make out of all this uh, more or less on the fly. So, hey, having some fun tonight. Sometimes I'll get it right. Sometimes we'll get lucky Sometimes, well, it may crash and burn. So far, so good, though, I think. Started out that set there with Jeepers Creepers. That is Cliff Jackson and his Village Cats. Featuring Sidney Bechet on saxophone. That's a Topps record. Topps, a minor label known for hmm, perhaps not spending a whole lot of money on these things so could have easily been uh, one of those things where the guys got paid a few bucks to go ahead and and record it and that was it for them and i don't know anyone out there want to go ahead and look up cliff jackson and his village cats and see if they had any kind of career if you got sydney bechet playing saxophone i mean there you go followed that up with an album from Decca Records 
called We Came in Peace. And that was a uh, Apollo 11 look back, more or less. You know, Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong kind of guy, you know, landing on the moon, stuff like that. So it's all about that. Got real lucky on that one and just happened to uh, blindly uh, catch the countdown. No, I did not cue that up. As my friend in New Mexico would say, that's a real-life mix. And that just is one of those things that happens when we go through life. So there you go. Heard the countdown and the liftoff of Apollo 11. Followed that up with War doing Cisco Kid. Sounds like Bill Smith may have listened to that one quite a lot. That's from KTEL Records. Cisco Kid and War. Followed that up with another one. From a different about Apollo 11 from a different record label, Evolution Records, and that was narrated by Roy Neal. And Roy Neal was the NBC announcer that announced all of the liftoffs, at least early on through Gemini and Apollo. So, again, that was more about the plaque that was either left up. Yeah, that's right. It was left up on the moon because the base of the lunar lander remained up there when they, when they left. They kind of, sort of had a mini explosion and launched the capsule back up out of the moon's gravity, and the base of it that they used for landing was left there. Followed that with another one from that KTEL record, this one on the other side, Electric Light Orchestra, Strange Magic. Then Jesus Just Left Chicago. That's from the ZZ Top album, Trace Hombres, distributed by London Records. Don't be fooled. London Records was the American subsidiary of Decca Records. So if the record was released in the United States by Decca, they did it through London, and that's why you'll see so many Rolling Stones albums that have the London Records on it, but actually they were a subsidiary, or at least partially owned by Decca Records and had first right of distribution for Decca's albums. And then that brings us around to the present. That's right, I made a break right there. So, where are we at in terms of the world here? Okay, it's the bottom of the hour. It's not bad at all. So what do I have coming up next? All right, this one is, the song is called Halley's Comet. Thought, what the heck, go with the space theme for a little longer anyway. Um, the Al Cohn, that's C-O-H-N, quintet. This is from the Jazz Heritage Series. It's a recording from 1957, and it's featuring Zoot Sims. So here we go. Halley's Comet. Thank you. 
It's KDRT in Davis, California. That is Halley's Comet. Comet. I'll get it right sooner or later. You know what I mean. The Alcone Quintet. With Zoot Sims. I broke in because, fair disclosure, this next album coming up is uh, different. And... I didn't really want to play it without giving a little bit of a heads up because I have no idea what this is all about. Okay. I'm looking at an album here that the title of it is Hi-Fi International. International, right? With the E on the end and all that. Two very young kids dressed in raincoats or outdoor gear of some kind, sitting in a toy car and a toy pushcart thing. Anyway, that's on the front. On the back, there's a couple of portable-style, all-in-one turntable things. Pretty good-looking, actually. The Model 557 might actually make a great gift idea if you could go back in time about 60 years. But, okay, <laughs> this is called Music to Read Roadmaps By. I guess that says it all, or it says absolutely nothing, but that's what's coming up next on KDRT in Davis. Isn't this fun?
would come home and maybe she would say oh I wish you could go with us I, I get so lonesome to talk about home and then I would go maybe for two or three days we'd get our talk over and um, I whenever uh, she was sick several times and I went to her each time was she afraid at that time she was uh, she was afraid yes <laughs> 
Were you afraid when you traveled with them? Uh, I was afraid uh, for... I was... I, I never was really afraid. Only that something would happen to her. For myself, I, I wasn't too... I guess because I was a kid. Was Clyde pretty nervous all the time? No, he wasn't nervous. Did you ever stay at a motel with them? Oh, yes. We've, uh, oh, we stayed in motels when we had money. And uh, all the time, we didn't have money. And I remember once that uh, there were six of us. And uh, we couldn't get, but uh, we couldn't get a room. We only had about two or three dollars. We couldn't get a room for everyone. So, but my sister and this other girl and I let the boys out down the highway. And uh, we rented the cabin. So, um, the lady let us, three of us, have one cabin, you know. And we were in there for a little while, and Clyde and, and these other two boys climbed in the window. So the lady had uh, been back once with the towels and the water, and uh, we thought that was over, you know, and, and uh, so we let them in the window. And it wasn't long till she was knocking on the door. Well, we had to hide them. And there was a, uh, it was a, oh, a, not a good room, you know, not for two dollars. And uh, so we hid them behind this curtain, which it liked about two feet coming on, a uh, foot coming on down to the... Here she came back for something, and uh, we were scared to death that she's going to look over there and see the three men's feet. Well, you know, it was just one of those things that uh, we thought was real cute after it was was over. You still got the room for $2. We got the room for $2. What about the guns? Did you see the guns they carried? Yes, I saw the guns. They didn't ever have any machine guns. They had pistols and a sawed-off shotgun. Did you ever see them use them? No. How often did they come to Dallas? About uh, sometimes once a month. How we got, they got in touch with us. Clyde's daddy had a filling station. And uh, they would come by and have a note and throw it, uh, and put it in a Coke bottle or something, throw it out the filling station. And Clyde's father would pick it up and they would tell us where to meet him. So many times that they'd come in, even in daytime. I remember that several times that uh, Clyde had uh, a red wig Bonnie had purchased for Clyde. And uh, in the daytime, they, she would put the wig on him and put the lipstick on him and fix his face up, you know. And uh, one time when he was fixed up like that, coming in, he ran into a deputy sheriff. And this deputy sheriff had put Clyde in jail so many times. It was out on uh, close to Irving, his little town. And uh, the deputy sheriff waved to Clyde. Clyde waved to the deputy sheriff. Never did know who they were. Some people are under the impression that Clyde was not a normal person, that he may have been a homosexual. What can you tell us about this? Clyde was just as normal as, as any person I have ever known. I remember another time that uh, I was with them and we were in a motel and they needed guns. And uh, there was an armory in this town. I saw the three men, Clyde and the other two men, they went over to the armory and broke into the, this place. And uh, so while they were in there, they got the soldier uniforms and uh, they got uh, old boxes and boxes of guns. 
So, of course, we were all back at the motel, the three of us, and scared to death, and up drove this car. Three men get out, dressed in these guard suits, and, like, scared us to death. We started climbing out the windows to run, and it was them. Well, they had all these guns, so uh, we the next day, we didn't uh, even look at them. The next day, uh, we went way out in the country, close to a lake, and we started looking in the boxes, the guns, and uh, they didn't know that in a in an armory that just parts of a gun, you know, maybe the stock or whatever it is, is in one box, and the other part of it is maybe in another room somewhere. So we had dozens and dozens of pieces of guns, so we threw them in the lake. Who was Raymond Hamilton? Raymond Hamilton was... Um, a boy that uh, from the West Side. Thank you. 
This is 95.7 KDRT, Low Power FM for Davis, California. It's time now for 50 Years Ago This Week in Beatles history. It's a short one. They weren't up to much 50 years ago in October of 1967. The 18th saw the premiere of How I Won the War at the London Pavilion. All four Beatles attended. After, they attended a party at Scylla Black's flat, which was 9B Portland Place in London. John Lennon and Cynthia, his wife, went to see the annual motor show at the Earl's Court Exhibition Building in London, also on the 18th. 
I wonder if that's where he got his Rolls Royce. You know, he had that psychedelic painted Rolls Royce. I think he already had that, though, by October of 1967. On the 19th, they were working on Hello, Goodbye. Studio One, Abbey Road. On the 20th, at Abbey Road again, Studio 3, they did some Fool on the Hill, Hello Goodbye, Overdubs, etc. And recorded some things like the viola for Hello Goodbye. This went until 3.45 in the morning of the 21st. On the 24th, NBC TV broadcast A Hard Day's Night in the United States. It had already been out in the movie theaters, but now it was on the tele. On the 25th, they were back working on The Fool on the Hill even more. And on the 29th, they did a little bit more shooting of a magical mystery tour sequence at the Acanthus Road, Clapham, Battersea in London. This is where Ringo and Aunt Jessie go up a street to board the Magical Mystery Tour bus. Now all the shooting on the bus had taken place a month earlier or more. So this was fill-in, segue stuff. There you go. That's pretty much October. 50 years ago this week, Beatles history. On that last set of music, started it out with music to read roadmaps by, and I have very little else to go on outside of that. Followed that up with a record that was in the wrong jacket. Thought I was going to be playing some Latin bossa nova stuff from down south somewhere. And instead inside the jacket was a Motown record produced by Smokey Robinson in 1975. Love Letters is the name of the song. Followed that up with an album that I didn't even know existed. It was from RCA Records, done in 1968. And that's the voice of Billie Jean Parker. And that is Bonnie Parker's sister. And, of course, that is the Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. And so you were hearing her personal reminiscences of what it was like to be on the road with those two. And followed that up with Body and Soul. This is Coleman Hawkins. And also what you're listening to in the background here. It's from Verve Records. The essential Coleman Hawkins. That brings us full tilt all the way back to the very beginning. Which is now... I think I'm going to go ahead and play a song here from the concert down at the Oddfellows Hall with Gene Parsons and David Hayes. And you'll hear Gene introducing the song 
Continental Subduction Blues, and then the song itself. Beautiful song. Okay, we're going to do a song that's kind of a, it's a little bit of a song about history, a little bit about geology, <clears throat> a little bit about my dad, Lem Parsons, who homesteaded out in uh, near Joshua Tree National Forest uh, back in 1930, a little bit about his 1928 Harley Davidson that happens to be on the cover of Easy Rider along with my dad. Although they painted his face out so they wouldn't have to, to uh, pay him royalties. That's but, showbiz. But he said it's cool. Everybody calls me an easy rider now, so. <laughs> He's passed on. Okay, this is about, uh, it's called Continental Subduction Blues. Kind of a little movie about growing up in the desert and stuff. Here we go. Whenever you're ready to watch this movie, we'll play it for you. Or listen to this movie. Imagine yourself in the desert sitting on your porch, lots of cactus and rocks and lizards and the wind's kind of blowing, it's warm, and your wind chimes are blowing up in your eaves. And you can smell the mesquite. ocean floor back 60 million years or more the continent was edging west pushed up the state that he loved the best Joshua trees, lizard snakes and coyotes. He'd fry in the summer, in the winter he'd freeze. But there's nowhere else that he'd rather be. The sky was blue, the land was free. He staked his claim in the high country. Now it's only history. California Springs down a dusty road, the old Harley sings of long ago of simpler times. 
when a gallon of gas was just a dime. And I remember those days. In a cloud of smoke and a quart of oil. Out in the desert sun he'd boil. He was riding on the wind so free. And he filled his tank with serenity. The sky was blue, the land was free. He staked his claim in the high country. Now it's only history. Oh, oh, oh the land he loved, California. Gene Parsons on vocals, David Hayes on bass. From the Oddfellows Hall performance, September 10th, 2016. Continental Subduction Blues. Coming up next, the Chrome Fenders with the song The Great Pretender. Pretending that I'm doing well My need is such I pretend too much I'm lonely but no one can tell Ah, ah, yes, I'm the great pretender Just laughing again like a clown I seem to be, but I'm not, you see, I'm wearing my heart like a crock, pretending that you're still around. Too real is this feeling of make-believe, too real when I feel what my heart can conceal. I'm the great pretender 
Just laughing and gay like a clown My need is such I pretend too much I'm wiping my heart like a crown Pretending that you're still alive Sometimes 
cylinders. This is a cylindrical recording, the voice of the inventor, Thomas Alva Edison. When I look around at the resources of the electrical field today, I feel that I would be glad to begin again my work as an electrician and inventor, and we veterans can only urge upon our successors to realize the measure of their opportunities and to rise to the heights of their responsibilities in this day of electricity. The actual voice of Thomas Alva Edison. The mouth and the clock, played by the Edison Concert Band. A good friend of Thomas Edison was the man who invented the art of ballyhoo. B.T. Barnum, Phineas Taylor Barnum, born in the year 1810. In 1835, Barnum started his career in show business by exhibiting an aged Negro who he claimed had been George Washington's nurse. In 1841, he opened Scudder's American Museum in New York City and made a fortune before it burned to the ground. He reopened the museum with a midget as the chief attraction, a midget who he called Tom Thumb. He took Tom Thumb to London to meet Queen Victoria and later brought the Swedish nightingale, Jenny Lynn, to the United States. Barnum was always resourceful. He had no trouble filling his museum at five cents a head, but he did have trouble getting people out. So he erected a huge sign next to the back door, which proclaimed in red, white, and blue letters, to the egress. Customers, thinking that the egress was another attraction, walked through the door and found themselves out in the street. In 1871, P.T. Barnum organized his first circus. He called it, modestly, the greatest show on earth. It was the first circus to travel abroad in its own train and operated independently until 1919 when the Barnum and Bailey Circus merged with Ringling Brothers. P.T. Barnum was the first man to transcribe a commercial. As you will hear, in this recording, made at Thomas Edison's studio, in the year 1888, Phineas Taylor Barnum. I thus address the world through the medium of the latest wonderful invention, Edison's phonograph, so that my voice, like my great show, will reach future generations and be heard centuries after I have joined the great, and as I believe, happy majority, P.T. Barnum. At the same time Thomas Alva Edison was doing his first recordings, the city of New York was indeed an exciting place to be. At the turn of the century, the feminine toast of Broadway was Lillian Russell. Her real name was Helen Louise Leonard. She was born in Clinton, Iowa on the 4th of December, 1861, and made her theatrical debut in 1879. In 1880, she appeared at Tony Pastor's famous restaurant. Lillian Russell became famous as the beautiful English ballad singer, and she was the ideal of feminine beauty in the 1890s. 
Needless to say, by today's standards, she was just a trifle meaty. Her constant companion was champagne salesman Diamond Jim Brady. And her dresses and hats and jewels and gold-plated jeweled bicycle were the talk of New York. Lillian Russell was primarily a singer, a fact you may find hard to believe when you hear her voice. songwriter I love his songs and I wish we had more time because I would like to do a bunch of David's songs more we just don't we don't have time to do all of them we'll come back we got time to do one we'll, we'll practice a little more and come back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we actually really like to practice don't we yes we like practicing yes oh yes we do but you have to like oh, practicing I guess Make sure I'm in tune on this one because it's so pretty, so pretty. Anybody ever read Cadillac Desert? Oh, yeah. Well, 
say no more. <laughs> well, uh, Katie and the kids and I lived down in L.A. for a few years. We were from Northern California, but I couldn't figure that place out. It was like it's like some alien landscape to me. So I started researching history and uh, how, how it came to be. What the hell happened? <laughs> so anyway, so this song sort of popped out of that effort. They steal the water from the Colorado. They steal the water from the From the Colorado, they steal the water. From the Well, 
they shake you down. They pump you up. Shake you down. They steal the water from the Colorado. They steal. Thank you. This is KDRT in Davis, California. My name is Jim. You're listening to Live Tracks. On that set of music there, or other spoken word, you would have heard, starting out with 50 years ago this week in Beatles history, then the Continental Subduction Blues. After that, that was Gene Parsons and David Hayes. After that, the Chrome Fenders from the A&R Record Manufacturing Company. <laughs> I think it was self-produced. The Great Pretender. After that, a very interesting album that the singer on that was Lee Wiley and she lived a long time these two songs that you heard there was kind of a medley I guess I'd call it sometimes I feel like a motherless child that's from Totem Records the name of the album is on the air and the Rudy Valley Orchestra was who was playing behind her. Those were recorded the 3rd of March in 1934. Followed that up with an album, which is basically a compilation of some very, very old recordings that uh, remarkably have been saved for posterity, so to speak by uh, somebody that put these things together. And so what you heard there were the voices of Thomas Edison and P.T. Barnum from about 1888. And I think that's a record now for live tracks for the oldest recordings that I've played on this show. The, the Thomas Edison might actually be 1885. So... Uh, followed that up there with Moonlight in Vermont. That's Ahmad Jamal. 
from Sunset is the name of the album. 1976 was when it was released. It was recorded live, didn't say where. And then finished up with the song Colorado, written by David Hayes, sung there by David Hayes, and also joining him on stage is Gene Parsons and his wife. That brings us to the bottom of this hour, so I'll say that, once again, this is KDRT in Davis, California. And I think what I'm going to do now is go ahead and give you a little bit of trivia. It's been a while, right? I think so. So... Got things flying all over the place. Cool. Oh, wow. One moment. Hal's messing with me a little bit, so hopefully your reception is just fine out there and it's merely Hal and all of his <clears throat> shenanigans down here. So... How about gumballs? Hmm. All right. History of gumballs. And chewing gum. So I'm going to skip some of the early, early stuff about the ancient Greeks and the ancient Mayans and all this stuff. 1848, John B. Curtis made and sold the first commercial chewing gum called the State of Maine Pure Spruce Gum. In 1850, John Curtis started selling flavored paraffin gums, becoming more popular than spruce gums. December 28, 1869, saw William Finley Semple become the first person to patent a chewing gum. U.S. patent number 98,304. In 1871, Thomas Adams patented a machine for the manufacture of gum. In 1880, John Colgan invented a way to make chewing gum taste better for a longer period of time while being chewed. And Thomas Adams once again pops up in the history books. In 1888, he has the chewing gum called Tutti Fruity. That became the first chew to be sold in a vending machine. The machines were located in a New York City subway station. In 1899, dentine gum was created by New York druggist Franklin V. Canning. In 1906, Frank Fleer invented the first bubble gum called Blibber Blubber Gum. However, the bubble blowing chew was never sold. In 1914, Wrigley Double Mint brand was created 
by William Wrigley Jr. and Henry Fleer, who were responsible for adding the popular mint and fruit extracts to a chickly chewing gum. And finally, in 1928, an employee of the Frank H. Fleer Company, Walter Deemer, invented the successful pink-colored double bubble bubble gum. And there you go. Pretty much covers everything on gum and gumballs. I mean, you could learn more about it, but life is short after all. This is KDRT, Davis, California. Coming up, the track that is also named after the album itself. It's The track is Guitar Beat from the album Guitar Beat. And this is The Ray Beats from 1981.
I got to say, that is a surprise, okay? I, I think that is probably going to be the, the sleeper winner of the evening. So once again, that group, this is a self-produced album. This is the Ray Beats. It's called Guitar Beat is the name of the album. Don Christensen, Pat Irwin, Jody Harris, Danny Amos. Side one is described the way they do is listless, spotty, and wasteful side. Side two is the brave, clean, and reverent side. It was recorded at Wood Cottage, Goring-on-Thames, April 1981, produced by Martin Rushent, R-U-S-H-E-N-T. My goodness. The only thing I can see here that has anything to do possibly with who printed this album is this little thing down there on the corner on the bottom right on the back side that says something called Don't Fall Off the Mountain. <laughs> so there you go. I might have to clean that up and take it home and record it. That would be some really good segue music or whatever in between shows. You may be hearing some of that again in the future on KDRT at various times of the day and night. Always nice to get pleasantly surprised. So, got a few minutes left to go. I think this next one here needed a little bit of an introduction for all of you out there that have stuck with me throughout the evening. This album has been lurking along the wall over in the corner of the studio here. And I was uh, only going to play it if I felt like maybe the rest of the evening had gone okay. And so it was all right to throw this in there. This is totally dumb, okay? I mean, I, just, I don't know how else to describe it. I'm just going to tell you right up front who this is. So grab that cool recreational beverage of choice. This is from MCA Records, right? Good label says, for promotion only, ownership reserved by MCA Records, Inc. Sale is unlawful. So evidently this probably was sent around to uh, some, some uh, radio station somewhere. That's usually how these things worked out. It's from 1964. Uh, looks like it was Universal City Studios down there somewhere. Who knows where it was actually recorded. And I'm telling you all of this because, well, basically, here's the deal. This is going to be The Three Stooges. It's called The Nonsense Songbook, Music to Have Fun By. So we'll see if we do. And I'm taking something off side two that doesn't even have an attribution for who wrote the song. Uh, it's called Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Oh, man. Okay, this was recorded in New York, May of 1959 when they did this. So don't blame me, blame Bill Smith. Although he's crossed over the Great Divide, so that may give him a pass on that. Uh, overall, though, Bill's was very supportive of the radio station. So we can't really hold this against him, can we? <laughs> okay, I'm going to press the button. Chick, chick. 
All right. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was brutal. So, Old MacDonald, The Three Stooges. Followed that up with uh, Recovery. There, Hello Central, Give Me Dr. Jazz, Igor's Jazz Cowboys. <laughs> Got one more song that I'll be finishing up with here. Coming up, I think maybe go ahead and put this in the background. We'll have a little bit more of, of the... The Ray Beats here. While I cover a little bit of organic philosophy. Promise that at the beginning of the show. Need to have a little bit of organic philosophy. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. This is Charles Darwin. It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. So there you go. Don't get too set in your ways, eh? I don't know. I got my things that I like to do. How about you? certain routines, things like that. 66 shopping days left till the big day itself. 66 shopping days till Christmas. Now remember, I do not count Christmas Eve. Although a friend of mine out again in New Mexico pointed out that the truck stop 20 miles from where he lives out there in Alamogordo pointed out that that truck stop had a great gift shop. And they also served up a mean plate of scrambled eggs and grits and coffee that, in his words, would put you about 500 miles down the road before you would blink. I'd like to get him out here and do a show sometime. That would be fun. Well... You know, I don't really have any great gift ideas for you. So how about the truck stop down the road, wherever it is that you live? <laughs> Just go check it out. He might want to wait until the last shopping day before Christmas, and you won't really be too picky about what all is in the gift shop. I can only imagine, though. I'm going to finish up here with a song from Gene Parsons and David Hayes. One more time down at the Oddfellows Hall last September 10th. Tune in next week. We've got a special show lined up for next week. And uh, if you want to hear some quality programming, listen to last week's show of mine, for that matter. Uh, that was a good one also. This has been Live Tracks on KDRT here in Davis, California. Putting on his pick on his third index finger. This is very tense moment. <laughs> He's lining up the slide. <laughs> Can't take him anywhere, are you? <laughs> I 
did you go? Where? I want to hear you rock and roll. Hey, pretty mama, hold me all night long. Give me just one more song. I want to hear that rumble man while he is shaking with a jumping band. They did that boogie, woogie, woogie with a mumble beat. He never stopped Look in there, talking about that woman, she's got purple hair. Down at Tippentina's, you could hear them sing, Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Yeah, I want to hear that a rumble man, while he is shaking with a jumping band. They did that boogie Rumba Man. 